0: Hi and welcome to the Three Good Podcast, a weekend podcast where I talk about all things to do with positive psychology, well-being, resilience, mental health and emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Sukh Pavia. Hi everyone, happy weekend to you. Hope your Sunday is going well and that you've been able to enjoy the weather, the actual type of weather we should be having at this time of year, folks. Not the unseasonably warm, sunny weather that we had over the last week. Which was really confusing to pretty much everyone in the UK. And now we have the normal grey clouds, the wet weather, the wind blowing. Everything is as it should be. So how are you? How's life folks? Are you okay? Welcome to episode 25 of the podcast that it feels like it should be some kind of milestone. And I'm not sure what kind of milestone, but it feels like it should be. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I should be celebrating or if I should be thinking that there's more to do. But in this episode, I'm going to be talking about what it means to me to be a British Sikh and what it's meant for me growing up as a British Sikh. And in particular, I'm focusing on this because... You know, one of the things I think that I haven't really touched on yet in the podcast over the previous 24 episodes is, uh, is the importance of that development of life. You know, just the growing up thing that happens, that when we go through different types of life experiences, how does that affect and impact on our maturity, emotions, identity, what we think about ourselves? what that means in terms of the people that we end up growing up to be, the types of friends and the community that we make ourselves part of, our family, the way we interact with them, you know, all of that stuff. I haven't really touched on how I think the importance of that growing up thing of life has an impact on all of that in different ways. So in particular, I want to talk about being a British Sikh. And yeah you know, it's something uh, you know, identity is something i come back to regularly as a topic it's something which is hugely impactful on life there are many people i know and i read about a lot of instances of how your sense of identity can be so consuming that that it can be sometimes hard to separate out, at what point do you just, um, do, you allow, do you accept that things are just as they are and you can't influence that? And in what ways do you think that, actually, no, I have to keep pushing forward on this. I have to really understand who I am. And, you know, in, in the um, in the news, we hear all sorts of stories from people who, you know, from people who were, Adopted from birth, who want to try go back and find out who their original, who their birth parents were. You know, when they're in their late thirties, forties, fifties, what have you. Uh, through to people who, uh, who have gender dysphoria, and really struggle to identify with who they are as a human. And whether or not they identify as being male or female through to people who grow up in um, in families where one parent is of one uh, one race and the other parent is of a different race and and so you have a and I'm gonna say the words mixed race and I'm not sure that's the way that it should be described but it's the um, it's that blending of different cultures that comes together and how do you identify with who you which one are you uh, Are you feeling more naturally pulled towards? And which one, or is there a nice healthy balance between the two? Uh, through to the way that people think about family. You know, that some people choose to outright not want to be part of their family anymore and others see family as a fundamental part of their lives. Uh, through to kind of the whole nationalist thing that's happening of late. And not of late. When I say of late, I mean over kind of the last few years, you know, we've seen it become much more a prominent uh, topic in the news. You know, should we be nationalistic? If we are nationalistic, is that at the expense of other groups who want to be part of our nationality and who want to be part of our nation and be, you know, embrace it and be fully part of it? In the UK, you know, Brexit has really shone a light on. How do we identify ourselves? What does it mean to be British anymore? And the intensity of debate that that brings about. So a lot, right? (laughs) It impacts a lot, clearly. And so I just want to take some time to to think about this and reflect on my own kind of journey to that so far. This came about because over the last couple of days, I was taken back to some early Bangra music. Um, and Bangra, if you don't know, is a, actually I'm going to re-say re, re that word, Bhangra, as it's said in Punjabi. Bhangra is a uh, Punjabi style of music and it's a very fast beat paced style of music where the lyrics and the vocals are often sung and they have a lot of, uh, it is, it's often seen as taking light of um, society and culture and norms and stuff and it is, in some ways it can be quite humorous and in other ways it can be just um, some good lyrics and it's an enjoyable song to be able to dance to and I'm going to play some sample tracks as we, as we go through a bit later but I was listening to those and it really got me thinking about how Bhangra has been a part of my life all the way through Right. And it's a core part of who I identify as, which is an interesting piece. So I want to just come back to the piece around uh, the original piece, I, I, I guess, which is what does it mean to be growing? Or, or rather, how did I experience growing up being Sikh in Britain? And it was a really interesting one that if I try, if I kind of trace back you know, up until about the age of, 10. It wasn't something that I really ever thought about because it wasn't really ever something which was of concern to me. You know, it. Um, I, had, uh, I had long hair grown out because that was just how my parents chose to keep my hair. And so, and that's quite a common thing in Sikh families, you yeah, know, for the boys to have their hair grown out long and then it gets tied up in a Kind of pseudo uh, pseudo turban style, uh, where you have what's called a patka or a um, a, a kind of a a covering of your head. Not a turban. Um, I I didn't used to have a a a turban because it was too much to try and for my mum to help me do that every day. And and I used to go to the um, gurdwara, which is the the, um, Sikh place of worship. And uh, I used to go to Punjabi classes to help me learn the language, and yeah, you know, that used to just be a regular affair of stuff. I stopped going at a certain point because I didn't enjoy the the classes, and um, uh, and and so yeah, I think that's just something that happens when 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 children are trying to learn a different language, and it wasn't part of school, so I didn't, I wasn't entirely interested in it. Um. And then I, I remember getting to I remember that at uh, around the age of ten, my school at the time was arranging to do a, a skiing trip, and I think it was to Austria or Switzerland and it was going to be the first time I'd ever stayed away from home without my parents and one of the things I remember being quite concerned about was my hair. I never had to take care of my hair before by myself and this was gonna be a week long trip away. And so I remember saying to my mum, like, you know, I really want to go on the ski trip, but I don't know how to take care of my hair. And her solution was quite simple. We're just gonna cut it off. And I don't know if I, I don't remember if, if I had any kind of reaction to that really, other than probably excitement that I was gonna be able to go skiing and I didn't have to worry about keeping my hair. And I guess at that stage, it, um, that's when I, that's when the thing about identity starts to become a thing, not in a conscious way. I mean, clearly I wasn't going to have this long hair anymore, so I didn't stop feeling like I was going to be Sikh. But certainly that part of that identity had ceased. And I've never grown it back since, not in that kind of way. And I'm not sure if I ever will. I'd like to think at some point I might do. But it's not something I've ever really, con- or rather, it is something I have considered. It's just not something I'm not, uh, I'm sure it is something I want to do just yet. And I'll talk about why a bit later. So there was that. And then and I remember kind of going through school and through uni and college and uni. And throughout all those years, having to kind of regularly try and, Think about how am I interacting with others in a way that helps them to see that um, that I'm 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 learning what it means to be a, a Brit, and that I'm not trying to compromise who I am as a Sikh. And again, I'm not sure if I really got to any answers around that stuff. Right? It was. I remember, you know, having jobs at like blockbusters and having uh, temp jobs and what have you and trying to have conversations with lots of people about lots of different things and not really not really knowing was i having the right kind of conversation is this is this what a young indian sikh brit is meant to talk about like you know i, I was i was trying to learn about things in the news and what have you and sometimes that stuff would just go over my head. You know, when I was about 18, 19, 20, whatever. Um, yeah, this was the late 90s, early 2000s. A lot of that stuff just kind of went over my head. I wasn't really sure about what to think about stuff. I remember the Twin Towers attack happening and I was at home and watching it on TV unfold. And then having the you know the inevitable conversations that you have with people on the day thereafter... Being shocked at the whole, the whole thing, and just everything that was going on there, and the way that that changed many people's thinking about what, how we understood terrorism and everything, and just through that that whole kind of period, and then you know, several years later in London we had the London attacks, and that was quite scary because it became a bit more apparent. Because I didn't really, I didn't really experience things around when the when there used to be IRA attacks in London. I used to read about them, but I didn't really know what they meant. Didn't really know how to think about those things. And and then there were some things which I knew just had to be done, right? So things like voting. I never doubted that I was going to vote, and by and large, we're a Labour family, so I always knew that I had to vote Labour. So we've been fairly consistent with that. And then over the last, say, 16 years, certainly over the last four elections, that I can think of, if not maybe the last five, I've been a, I've been a lot more active in my thinking about, actually, do I want to vote for that party? Do I want to vote for a different party? And actually trying to understand policies and what impact that has on culture and society and what have you. And I think it was when I started to actually think about those things in terms of contribution to society type stuff. I think that's when I started to understand what it meant to be a Brit in that way, right? And along the way, you know, things happen. You end up having to go to hospital for different things. I remember having to go to hospital because my appendix needed to be taken out. And so there was probably about a week or so that I had to spend in hospital after that. And... Having great care, actually, you know, I had a, I was lucky enough to have, um, have caught it in the before it ruptured, and they took care of me. A week later, I was allowed to come home. College being a generally good experience, you know, all of that kind of happening in that way, and then in my early twenties, my mum had breast cancer, uh, and thank, thankfully, they were able to catch it early. And they were able to remove it. And then experiencing the care that the hospital were able to give her during that period. And those kind of experiences are important because they also help you to understand this is what the culture is about. This is what it means to be a Brit. How fortunate we are to have the NHS. And and things like that become quite, quite embedded. You know, they become quite firm about, oh yeah, this is what it means to grow up in this country. And the education system teaches you about kind of the fortune of being able to study and being able to advance your capability, your thinking with a view that at some point you're going to use that for the benefit of society in some way. Through to through to the, the you know, I've had, I think, five or six different roles in the last 16 years. I've had a proper job. I, and when I say proper job, I mean like, you know, not your kind of temp job, not your uh, Saturday job type thing. You know, even when I worked at Blockbusters, I didn't really ever think of that as a proper job. It was just kind of a a way to be able to help fund me going out with friends and what have you. And so there was a lot of that stuff, which kind of just naturally grew. Yeah, naturally just became part of, yeah, this is... I totally understand what it means to to be a Brit. And I often used to laugh when I used to go abroad and, you know, I'd be with friends and then we like, would be in America or something. And I remember going to the mall and you'd be in like one of the shops and then you'd hear another Brit couple uh, or another uh, Brit set of friends or what have you. And you turn around and go, oh, man, it's so good to hear another British voice. <laughs> and it'd be quite funny because it's 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 like uh, so there's a there's that sudden kinship, you know, there's a sudden... Um, sense of connectedness that you have which is a very different experience of course when you're in England and you're with you're surrounded by the people that are naturally speaking in the same uh, accent as you are and, and I think about all of these things and they're, they're quite interesting actually because it, it, may, it often then makes me think I wonder if there was a certain point at which I was I realised I was proud to be Brit I don't know if there was, but I do remember along the way thinking, and you know, even to the day, just and um, still thinking, I am proud to be a Brit. And I'm, and it's not in a nationalistic way, you know, not in a um, I want to keep others out. This country belongs to me kind of way. Because I, if anything, I've experienced a very tolerant society. I've experienced a society where I've been allowed to. Take part in society as much as I can, and I've been able to contribute back. I think in, in, uh, in a, uh, as much as I can, and clearly I've still got more to do. And you know, I'm only 41. There's hopefully many uh, many good years ahead of me in which I can still offer that contribution and, and do that back to and for society. And I don't ever really think there was any the point where I ever thought. I don't believe I'm a Brit, you know, and at the same time it it makes me curious because I know that there are some uh some people from ethnic minorities who are quite nationalistic about their belief about being a Brit, which I often find quite intriguing actually, because as second generation third generation immigrants into the country where you know our parents our grandparents have been here. They've gone through their hardships to enable us to be able to have better lives, and we're here in the main having better lives. Um, clearly, there are some who are still having quite hard, quite regular hardships for being an ethnic minority in this country. Um, I, but, like I say, I've been quite privileged and fortunate to not have had a, that, not at least not explicitly, not directly to me. And when I hear uh, people from ethnic minorities you know want to exclude certain groups from society as being british just really makes me wonder is like but how how are you how are you consolidating that with the absolute reality that you yourself are of a of a of a background where you know clearly you have brown skin clearly you have black skin and in many people 's views and eyes in society, that automatically puts you at difference and doesn't equate you with being a Brit easily and yet we're and yet we hear from some of those groups that they are advocating for certain groups to not be part of British culture. I just don 't know how people reconcile that you know i just don't I genuinely don 't know and like i say i'm quite fortunate that i 've never I've never had that upbringing. I've never had that surrounding or that kind of thinking where I I want to be exclusive in that way. That's just not... I guess it's part of me as well. You know, I'm not an exclusive kind of person. I don't want people to feel like they can't be part of something. So that then... and, And then other pieces then that start to fall into place around that are... So when I spoke and uh, described earlier about how my hair was cut when I was younger and what that meant for me as being a Sikh boy growing up. It took me a long time before I decided that I I wanted to re-find what it meant to be a Sikh boy, a Sikh man. And it probably started back again when I got to university, I reckon. I had an interest around college. But it didn't. I didn't really do anything with it. Um, and then when it came to, I think, the early 2000s, around that period of time, and again, I'm not sure what necessarily sparked it off, but I started to gain a real interest in, what does it mean for me to be Sikh? Because uh, I, I was finding, actually, and no, I do recall, there was a period of time I was part of a uh, I, part of a community who who were promoting um, that there was uh, oneness between the Hindu religion and the Sikh religion, and I became quite active in that group. And what I started to find was that I wasn't entirely clear in myself how I identified myself religiously, and over several years. I really started to become aware that I needed to understand that much more acutely for who I was. So I started to do a lot more reading around that a lot for myself, a lot more reading around. What does it mean to be Sikh? Who were our Sikh gurus? How did, what did they preach about life? What did they preach about God? What did they preach about living? How to treat others? Spirituality, community, all of these things. And so I started to take the time to really try and understand those things in much more full ways. And what I started to understand from all of that was I was I was excluding myself from Sikh society and Sikh communities. And I didn't need to. There's a lot of openness there for questions to be asked and for to be able to gain that kind of education. And I remember going to a camp to learn about being Sikh. Not about being Sikh, that's the wrong way to describe it, but it was just a an immersive religious experience for a week. Which I really enjoyed because it really helped me to understand if I wanted to become a practicing Sikh uh, in the um Sikh lang- in, in the Sikh um religion we call it being Amrit Dari, which which means that you're blessed uh, and that you are um Uh, What's the word? You are um, and you're baptized um, to being a a full practicing Sikh. And it helped me to understand what it means to live in that kind of uh, with that devotion and with that commitment to the religion. And I decided that I'm not ready to do that. Not yet there was because it is a fair commitment to living a particular type of lifestyle and it's and it's more around the uh, the daily discipline of prayer of uh, of the way that you behave with others uh, uh and by that I mean the selfless acts that you are required to perform on a regular basis the um the daily routines that you need to have and make sure you adhere to, the prayers that you need to commit to. There's quite a bit about the way that the lifestyle of an Amrattari Sikh meant that I just didn't think I could commit to that because I, was, I wanted to be able to explore other things in life and I, I didn't feel that they were compatible and I think I still believe that to a certain extent. I still think that I'm not ready for that in myself. I don't, I don't think I'm ready to go down that full spiritual path. Even though I do a lot of spiritual thinking, even though I do a lot of thinking about what it means to think about God in, in many different ways. But coming back to what it means to be Sikh, I, I, it really did start to define or help me create more of an identity about who I wanted to be. And certainly, there were some core tenets to what I was hearing and what resonated best with me. And around that, there were some some of the core elements of of how a Sikh should act. One of those being around the selfless acts and the charity that you're that you can commit to as a as a person. That definitely resonated. So I try and do helpless helpful things for others as often as I can without expectation of anything back I tried to do things for charity I tried to do things uh, for community Um, and and so certainly that was something which was influential because as a Sikh I believe that that's what we should do and it's a core value that we teach around I started to try and understand more about What our gurus taught us And How they taught that we should be living our lives So particularly our first guru Guru Nanak Dev Ji He Preached Quite a lot of uh, Very radical thinking for his time And That grew into Being some core themes One of those Three of those were He said that you you should try and enact these three types of behaviours One is called vandashakana, Which is sharing what you have with others One is namjapana, Which is saying and reciting the name of God And the third is Kiratkarna Which is living a good life Living a helpful, uh, positive life And I remember hearing those three tenets and just thinking, yeah, they they absolutely make sense to me. Those are things I want to be able to uphold. They are things I want to be able to show that this is how I live my life. And I try and do those things as as regularly as I can. And I remember when my kids were born, you know, trying to make sure that I helped them to start to learn these things as well. And I think I think in in in, in in quite a few ways, I can look at the things my kids do and I can see that they do listen to these things, partly because, you know, I'm their dad. Right. And as parents, they have to kind of listen to what we tell them to some extent. But then when you start to see them do things of their own accord, that helps you to also see that they are taking on these teachings and these learnings. And then I guess one of the other things that has always been a constant for me throughout my life has been the importance of community as a Sikh. You know, one of the key things around, and I spoke about this in the episode on uh, the importance of community on the podcast, is that in, in the Sikh religion, we are taught that the community, having a community is a blessed thing. It's... It is through a community that you become wise, that you become learned, that you are able to dis- define and decide what you want to do with and for each other. And without community, you 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 will miss something vital to be human. And and so that's always that's that's been a very regular thing for me. And I'm sure it's biased much of my thinking about how I live my life and the work I do and um, a lot of the thinking I do in that space. So that's always been an interesting piece of me growing up about how, and that journey of discovery in my religion and how that, I think that ends up, you know, shaping who I am to this day. And like I say, I'm, I'm sure there's more to do in with, with my, with my discovery of being Sikh and, i'm unsure whether or not one day I will become Amritthi whether, whether I will become a practicing Sikh i think i I think I try and uphold the principles as best as I can and 'm mindful that although I identify as being Sikh it um, i don't show it through because there's a there, there's a distinct look for a Sikh person where they have the um the unshorn hair, so they tighten the turban, they have the beard, they wear the five k's, which are identity markers for what it means to be Sikh and i don't i don't have and i don't wear all those so there's a certain element of kind of just day to day living where i try and I try and be this this uh version of being Sikh as best as I can without committing fully. And then linked very closely with that as well, and this comes back to the music I was talking about earlier, is, is the difference between being Sikh and being Punjabi. And this one often comes as something as a bit of a confusion, I guess, to to many people. That because the Sikh religion was largely born out of the state of Punjab in North India. The two are are very strongly linked, and to such an extent that sometimes we hear things spoken about, about Sikh people, which is untrue, and it's more attributable to Punjabi culture than it is to the religion. And the kind of things I'm talking about are things like the cuisine, things like uh, the music and things like the drinking culture of Punjabis. So Punjabis are known very strongly for being quite heavy drinkers. Particularly uh, if you've ever been to a Sikh wedding or a Sikh party of some sort, you will most likely have experienced that there is very free flowing alcohol for the whole duration of the kind of reception you know I had it at my wedding I've had it at my parties at family parties we've been at other family weddings it is just it's a staple of pretty much most Sikh families uh, celebratory events what can often be challenging is that it's not because we're Sikh that that happens it's because we're Punjabi And the difference there is that the sixth element is the...